Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey Sports presents Big Time Baseball with MLB insider John Heyman and former Major Leaguer Tony Gwynn Jr. Welcome into another episode of Big Time Baseball. I'm your host, Tony Gwynn Jr., alongside my partner, John Heyman. And John, it's been a long time, man. We haven't done this together in a bit. I know. It's great to be back with you, Tony. Uh, had some pretty sweet things happen this past week. Uh, let's start with Miguel Cabrera reaching 3,000 hits. He becomes the 33rd player in baseball history to reach the mark. Um this is one of the best right-handed hitters I've had a chance to play against. And I feel like I've said that the last couple of years, one being Albert Pujols, the other being Miguel Cabrera. And it fits. It, it really fits a, a lot. So uh, I just want to get your thoughts on, on, on how you feel about uh, Miguel Cabrera reaching this milestone. Yeah, I mean, I loved it. I, I love the guy. Terrific individual, incredible hitter, just a hitting savant. I'm with you, one of the greatest right-handers of all time. And not only 3,000 hits, to do that with 500 home runs, that is not easy. I mean, uh, only seven players now have done that. So 33 got to 3,000 hits, which is an amazing accomplishment. And I'm not sure when we're going to see that again, looking at the totals. And we have a lot of great young players playing, but it just shows you how difficult 3,000 hits is. Um, I'm just not sure. I mean, even looking at Mike Trout, he's like halfway there. You know, is he really going to get another 1,500 hits? It ain't easy. But to do that with 500 home runs, to me, that's just icing on the cake. Just an amazing, amazing player. And uh, congratulations to Miguel Cabrera, one of my favorites. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. He, he's always been one of my favorite to watch. He, he's one of the the few guys that, along with Albert Pujols, uh, from the right-handed side, um, that – could use the whole entire baseball field from line to line. He could hit and he had power from line to line. The other thing he's in a group of, of three guys that have hit, have had 3000 hits, 500 home runs and all did it while maintaining a, a career average above 300. The other two guys, Hank Aaron 
and Willie Mays. I mean, when you're in a when you're well, in an elite group like that, there just there's there really isn't an argument for you uh, not being amongst the the very very best to ever play this game. Absolutely, I mean, it should be uh, unanimous. We have had one player yeah. unanimous, and that was a relief pitcher, which was interesting, uh, Mariano <laughs> Rivera. But you know, I mean, I voted for him. Obviously, he's well deserving, the greatest reliever of all time. Not knocking, and I'm glad he's. Uh, unanimous, but there's always there's one in every crowd, almost every crowd. Uh, you know, uh, obviously Griffey didn't get three votes, Jeter didn't get one vote, but I hope we've weeded out that one or two in every crowd. You know, obviously Miguel Cabrera is an all-time great, an all-time great should go in right away, and as a unanimous pick. Yeah, no doubt about it. it is this, this is uh, it's hard. You, you, I think people forget this. This kid was this guy was an athlete when he first came up to the to the big leagues. Uh, I remember his yeah. first home run. He went dead center for a walk off homer, but he could play some third base. And you know, obviously, as he's gotten older, he's gotten a little bigger. Uh, third base wasn't necessarily in the cards, but again, this is one of the greatest hitters, greatest players of all time that to ever grace the the field. Uh, the other. Uh, thing that popped up last night and this is usually pops up once a year we we see an explosion like this but Kyle Schwarber had just had enough in his last bat of the game yeah. Angel Hernandez behind a plate had rung him up on some on some bad calls in in the previous uh, ABs and he absolutely lost it <laughs> it's it's one of the best explosions on an umpire that I think we've we've seen in quite some time yeah, I love the hand gestures. I don't break. Uh, I'm watching it right now as we're talking about it. They're showing it again on MLB Network. Uh, fantastic. Schwarber, a great job. Love it. Uh, you know, that call was clearly wrong, but it wasn't as bad as the one to Segura. Six inches, which I think uh, six inches inside that. That was 6.47 to be exact. I think that was the worst uh, call of the year. Uh, yeah. And I think I, on Twitter I saw he was 85% correct on ball strikes. Ooh. That's not Ooh. good. Uh, in fact, no. that's the worst of the year. I don't think it, I don't know that it's the worst of all time. I, some are worse. But, you know, you mentioned as we talked earlier is that he's inconsistent. You know, I mean, we hadn't noticed him yet this year. And now all of a sudden uh, with that brutal effort, uh, you know, he's back in the news, Angel Hernandez is. And, uh, you know, he is capable of having good games here and there, yeah. you yeah. know. But, I mean, this was bad, and I know I got a huge, huge Twitter reaction. Uh, you know, a lot of things you tweet on Twitter are just ignored, but I tweeted uh, sources, Angel Hernandez misses the E on iCharts. Uh, I've never gotten a bigger reaction. I, I am now, I'm following it minute by minute. I have now 22,000 likes. 22,000 likes. I think when I tweeted that Garrett Cole was going to the Yankees, I only got 14,000 likes. So it's bad that, that I I keep track, but I mean, people do not do not appreciate his umpiring. That is funny. I know funny. That, that's that's funny, <laughs> Thank John. You. That's that's Thank a, you, that's John. a good one. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, Angel certainly didn't have a, a, a good night, and has it and is, has a tendency. And listen, in baseball in general, this is not just Angel. Like when an umpire is having a bad day, and his bad day is not necessarily a few calls, but or, or even even calling a specific pitch consistently. It's the inconsistency that drives players nuts. And it makes the game harder, both for the pitcher and the hitter, because if they don't know what the zone is, they're basically like just they're trying to they're trying to figure out um, how to get strikes. And if an umpire is inconsistent, as Angel was last night, 
it could lead to an episode like that. All right, let's jump in to the standings in the different divisions around the league. We'll start with the AL East. Uh, start with your Yankees. They're, well, Yankees and Blue Jays, they're both 10-6, and six, tied atop the first uh, first in the, in the American League East. And I think the Yankees are playing some good baseball along with the Blue Jays, although Yankees had a little episode uh, a couple days ago with their fan base uh, just completely uh, – uh, I don't know what had gotten into them, but they decided after the walk-off win that they were going to throw trash at the players. This was after another incident in which – uh, the, uh, the the Twins' left fielder ran into the wall, seemed to be a little bit shaken up. Uh, their center fielder, Straw, took some issue with it and had some words, Some I mean, some close-up words. He climbed a fence to get his his words <laughs> off. And then that, that preceded the trash being thrown as uh, the Yankees walked off that win. Thankfully, you had the some class uh, in Stanton and and, and – uh, judge going out to try to calm that fan base down. But listen, I know the Yankee fans are, are, are passionate and have been uh, raucous for a while, but this one kind of crossed the line a little bit. Yeah, I mean, passion is one thing. That that was just bad. That was not good at all. Could, uh, give Miles Straw credit. I don't blame him for climbing the fence to confront the fans, defending his teammate. I mean, Quan ran into the fence. He could have been hurt seriously. Yeah, almost I'm sure first. he was. I'm sure he was in pain at the very least, and um, it's not that was that wasn't good to be mocking him after he running into the fence and then throwing the garbage. That's just I mean not good either. And I don't blame Straw for saying that they're the worst fans. You know I mean I will say this though. I went with my wife to an Eagles game, uh, and my wife is from Milwaukee, and it was an early round game, and she's a Packers fan and wore a cheese head, and we had end zone seats for an Eagles game in Philadelphia. You know, those fans were pretty tough, too. Nobody threw garbage at us, but I would advise, if anyone's listening, do not wear a cheese head to an Eagles game. Uh, they do not appreciate it. And by the way, the Packers won the game and <laughs> yeah, ended up winning, winning the Super Bowl <laughs> that year. So the Eagles won it since then, so, uh, you know, um, good for them but uh, you know the Yankee fans uh, they should be ashamed the ones who did it now not all the Yankee fans are like that some of right. them are passionate right. as you said but the ones who threw garbage or mocked the player who was injured or at least in pain terrible so I'm with I, I tell you what I tell you what I know I know your wife is tough the mere fact that she wore the cheese head in in Philadelphia well, yeah, I don't think I, she knew. She didn't know. It was a lack of knowledge, I think, more than anything. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the actual game, the actual teams on the field. Blue Jays have looked terrific. Uh, this young team looks like they're 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 ready to take that next step. You know, they've been, um, you know, they've had they've been a team full of potential over the last couple of years. They seem these young guys seem like they're ready to go. It seems like. Uh, Bichette is is a clear leader on that team, along with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, they seem to be ready to make a next step. And listen, the Yankees, I've always felt like they were talented enough. The question is, can they stay healthy over the course of the season? Yeah, I mean, the Blue Jays, to me, should win that division. I saw some predictions where they had the same number of wins as the other three really good teams in that division. I don't see it. They were one game out last year. They, they brought in... Uh, Gosman, they brought in Kikuchi, they brought in yeah. Chapman. Plus, as you say, and I think this is the key to it, they have great young players who are only going to get better, like Bichette and like Vlad. Although I don't know if Vlad can get much better than he did last year, but <laughs> no he's, the he's the best player in the division, uh, no question about that. And 
I mean, Bichette's going to be a, a superstar and not quite there yet, but clearly a star. On paper, this is the best team in that division. A very, very strong division. Not the strongest. The strongest division is your division, the NL West. Yeah. I don't think there's any question about that. But AL East, strong division. Toronto, I mean, Toronto's a, one of maybe two or three teams that's hitting like a normal team this year. Everybody else is like well below. You know, they're like, you know, almost half the teams are below uh, 230 at this point. That's not good. But Toronto's hitting is so good and so much better than just about everybody else's. So they, they, to me, they're the clear favorite. Yankees, you know, now that I'm at the New York Post, I'm writing more about the Yankees and the Mets. I've already ripped their offense twice. And look at this. They're in tied for first place. So <laughs> teaches me a lesson. Uh, you know, they're not hitting, but they are tied for first. Their pitching has been incredible. Their bullpen amazing. And they're doing it out. Britain King is striking everybody out out of the bullpen. Cole's back on his game. You know, it's not a typical Yankee Bronx bomber team, but it's still a really good team. Listen, I think with, and this is going on across the league, this is specifically going on here in San Diego as well. What, what we're seeing is you can win games and not be a consistently hitting team. If you pitch and you play defense, you're going to be in any game. Yep. In, in, a base, in the game of baseball, if the game is close, anything in it happened late, and I think that's what you're seeing, not just with the Yankees, yes. not just with the Padres, but really across the league, teams are pitching and, and they're playing defense. There's been a an emphasis on that, it seems like, around the league. And, um, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. It's early, 17 games in. Uh, we'll see We'll see where this thing shake out. Let's move to the AL Central, where, surprisingly, the Minnesota Twins are at the top of the division. Uh, the White Sox seem to have, and then, by the way, they're at the top of the division with an 88 record. So nobody's winning a whole bunch of games there. Nobody has 10 wins in that division. Eight is the is the leader. And you look around that division, John, and, and the White Sox, they can't seem to get healthy. Um, and you can see that there's some frustration uh, with that uh, lack of health kind of permeating through that team. Absolutely. I mean, uh, the Twins, very interesting team. You know, some people thought they spun their wheels and did a bunch of stuff and stayed the same. I, I liked what they did in the winter. I mean, obviously getting Correa, that's a big lift for the team. Uh, Buxton, at this point, he's tied for the Major League League with six home runs and playing only 10 games. I mean, it's kind of like uh, Tatis last year uh, yeah. where he led the league in home runs and missed a bunch of games. Uh, this guy has a 946 slugging. Next best is about 200 points lower than that. So, I mean, he's a superstar, you know, good for them. Uh, they're going to hang in there for the, for him and Correa and some of the other offensive players that they've got. Uh, you know, I think we um, – I was on here a couple weeks ago and we talked about how the White Sox are maybe the most prohibitive favorite in their division. A lot has gone wrong. I mean, right yeah. now, you know, they're yeah. on – as we do this, they're on a seven-game losing streak. But more than that, it's the injuries. They're just piling up to see Jimenez going – out again, which is probably going to be for two months or so with that hamstring. You've got Robert with an injury. You have Lance Lynn out. You've got Moncada's missed games. Giolito's just back. Crochet out for the year. I mean, uh, I don't know. This team is snake bit. Something's gone on. And, um, you know, at this point, I'm sure they're concerned big time that uh, it's not going to come to fruition that they win that division, which is hard to believe. 10% way into the season. You know, I mean, they, to me, they did look like an obvious choice in that division. And at this point, uh, it's a lot of mystery in that division. We don't know what's going to happen. Feels like almost anybody can win. But again, we got 90% of the season to go. 
the White Sox are going to get these players back, and uh, you know, let's let's not be surprised if they they do end up winning it. Let's not be surprised because you also have to remember the playoffs are expanded, so this could be something that helps right. them this year. And listen, the one thing that derails teams every year that have high expectation is injury. There's just nothing you something you just can't account for, and that seems to be where the White Sox are. Uh, Buxton, I, I love the Correa sign for the Twins. Uh, he's not even he's not even playing that well yet. And when he gets going, I assume when it starts to get warmer, um, that team might be some a team to watch in that division. Let's move to the AOS where I, I don't think it's a surprise at all. The Mariners are at the top of that division. They're they're at ten and six, eight and two in their last ten games. Um, I, I, I mean, my man Ty France is killing it over there. Along That's your with, guy. That's your uh, guy. San Diego State Aztec for life having an incredible start to us. It was funny. Yeah. I talked to him before we broke camp and he was like one of the few offensive guys that I talked to that was like, man, I could use a few more spring training games. Everybody else was ready to go. And uh, it, he's off to a great start uh, with that Mariners team. And so, and I think the surprise really behind them is the angels. They've actually played well. They, they at least now John have two quality starting pitchers, right? Otani's pitched well. Syndergaard has pitched well. Now, can that can they sustain that the whole season? I don't know, but I mean they go from having nothing in the pitching department, it seemingly, and now all of a sudden to go along with a potent offense, you got at least two quality starters that could keep you in it. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this: you were the first on t- on the Ty France bandwagon. I don't know whether that was a year ago, two years ago. <laughs> I, I'm like, who is this guy he's talking about? And you knew. I mean, the guy's a fantastic hitter. He's been one of the best in the league so far this year. Seattle, we can't really be surprised. I mean, they, they no. were they were pretty good last year. I thought they overachieved to some degree, but I mean, you've added Ray, you've added Winker. These guys are maturing now. Uh, they obviously have a good team. There'll be no excuse if they don't make the playoffs this year. So, not overly surprised by their good start. I'm a little surprised that Houston's not there. They were my AL pick again. Of course, I, I like to go with the chalk because I, you know, I do not like to be wrong. Because everybody tells me on Twitter when I'm wrong, so I, I thought Houston would be the team, but we'll see. They're they're off to a slow start. Angels, I mean, you know, they could go either way. They they have two, arguably the two best players in the game, and and Trout and Otani. You've got Rendon who's playing now. I mean, he was he was not healthy the last year or two, and now he is healthy, so it makes a a big difference. Um, Syndergaard obviously helps them. Uh, I thought they needed one more pitcher to really compete to the end, but, uh, you know, we shall see with them. Um, it's an interesting division. I'm still going to go with Houston winning it, Seattle making the playoffs. But, uh, you know, i got to be honest, I watch the Angels every night. I, I watch the Yankees and the Mets because I'm at the post now. But, I, you know, if I have a choice, I'm often watching those West Coast teams, San Diego, L.A. Uh, I like San Francisco, but the team I watch the most, is the Angels. You know, you've got Trout and you've got Otani. It's yeah. really hard to take your eye off of them. I'll tell you what, in regards to Houston, you have to start to wonder, like, it seems like every year they lose a big piece, right? It started with Springer, then it was Cole. Uh, now you lose Correa in that. I mean, you, a team can only sustain those type of losses for so long and replace them with young guys who – have some growing to do. And I think yeah. that's kind of what you're seeing there. They're going to be reliant on their pitching, right? Frombers, Valdez has to pitch. Uh, well, obviously, Verlander looks great in his in his return so far. Uh, Euquadi has to be another guy that has to pitch well. And if those guys aren't doing that, um, 
they may run, run into some problems. Luis Garcia is another guy who who they expect to pitch well. And they're going to have to hold the fort down until the young guys start to kind of, you know, feel their way through it and, and, and are in a place where they can be contributing member, members on a, on a team that has high expectations. Yeah, sure. let, me, let me say this about Houston. They're, they're my home team for spring training, and I, I see them a lot. Uh, this guy, Jeremy Pena, I know, you know, yeah. Ray is one of the best players in the game. I saw him in a ball, I don't know, it was 500 feet, something like that in spring training. It was immense in spring training. And defensively, uh, he's really good. And if you go back and look at his record, he's been basically a 290 hitter at the minor league level. I know those players were very sad to see Correa go. They love him. But, you know, I, I think they've replaced him well just in-house. It was a little weird that Houston never upped its offer from uh, $160 million for five – I think it was five years that we all made fun of. It was never going to be anything close. You know, as it turned out, he ended up signing a three-year deal for more money per year with opt-outs. So he probably got a better deal. But, um, you know, they never upped their offer. And it's probably because they have faith in, in this kid, Pena. And I, and I do believe in their young pitchers. Fromber, uh, I think, is going to be a, a star. Verlander yeah. is obviously who he is still. Amazing. I saw him in spring training. He talked about maybe pitching until he's 45. We shall see. But uh, he wasn't sure yet. He's not committing. But I wouldn't put it past him. And, you know, McCullers isn't there yet, but he should be back in a couple months. And, uh, you know, I, st- I still like Houston to win that division. Yeah, it's easy to see why you like him. Uh, how about how about the Pena kid, the pride of the University of Maine? All right, let's move to uh, the National League East. And uh, listen, finally, it seems like the Mets are ready to step into the light and 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 you know live up to the expectation that has been bestowed upon them over the last few years. They're twelve and five, best record in the league, most wins in the league. Um, it's not all that much of a surprise, though. No, I mean, they, they spent the most, and right now uh, their payroll is right up there with the Dodgers, and they have a team befitting that kind of a payroll, I, I do believe. Um, you know, are they going to beat out the Braves? We'll see. We'll, Acuna's coming back soon, and I think the Braves just haven't gotten it together. It's difficult coming back after winning the World Series. I do think believe there's something to that. Maybe the Mets take that division. Uh, to me, they're clearly going to be a playoff team. I mean, without DeGrom, they've had the best starting pitching already. This guy... Tyler McGill, I mean, they, they put him in um, to uh, start in place of DeGrom uh, for the opening day, and it turned out to be exactly the right move. The guy's been fantastic, and obviously they got a lot of good players, and, um, you know, the Mets are for real. I don't know that they're yeah. going to hold off the Braves, but, you know, I'm going to be shocked if they're not a playoff team. They're definitely for real. McGill has been super impressive. Carlos Carrasco has been impressive, and they're really doing this without their best player. Jacob DeGrom is, is not, hasn't thrown an yeah. inning for this team yet. And so you can be assured if he's able to come back, and it sounds like they expect him to at some point, um, mm-hmm. he, this team is only going to get better. Because they're, especially if McGill and Carrasco continue, continue to pitch the way they have, um, it's, it's going to be tough sled for anybody in that vision, including uh, the Braves, who I saw for four games. And they didn't look bad by any means. They look like a team that that eventually will get it going. Um, they have some terrific, terrific young starting pitching, whether it's Ian Anderson, whether it's Kyle Wright or, or the young kid Elder. Um, I like their staff. And you just have to think that eventually, I mean, Olsen hasn't stopped hitting since he became a Brave. 
Uh, you got Ozuna back in the lineup. He's looked good. When the energy comes back, and that energy I'm talking about is is, is Acuna, um, that team I, I expect to to get it going. Uh, but they have stumbled out the blocks as, as well as the Phillies. We saw the Phillies in, in last night's game uh, go down to the Brewers. They seem to be having a hard time stepping up to the expectations that's been put at their feet. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to out-hit a lot of their mistakes. Their bullpen's still, I think, a question mark. Their defense is not good. Um, I do expect them to be, and they're always around 500. I do expect them to be better this year just because of their offense. I mean, at this point, basically, Toronto's hitting. I think the Cubs are hitting. There aren't many teams that are really hitting it to this point. But yeah. once they get hitting, they're going to be a threat. Now, I think they have some flaws. And in that division, it's going to be tough. And, you know, I'm, I'm with you on Atlanta. Those young pitchers and Kyle Wright is now stepping up to become the star that they expect him to be, it looks like. You got him with Anderson and Freed, and you get hopefully Soroka comes back at some point. I mean, it's been so unfortunate that they've missed him. But, I mean, he was supposed to be the best of the, the lot. Um, you know, and let's not forget, they were a 500 team more than halfway into the season last year. So yeah, let's yeah, not yeah. count them out. No matter where they are in the standings in April, it shouldn't matter. They caught fire for sure. Let's move to the NL Central. And really, it's it's the same two teams we talk about, we seemingly are talking about every year, right? The Cardinals and the Brewers. Brewers at 10 and 6, Cardinals at 9 and 5. Um, I, I, I like the Brewers team. I love the Cardinals team. I think... They have the best outfield in baseball, defensively uh, and offensively combined. That 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 those guys can cover some ground, and I think O'Neill and specifically uh, Bader has kind of started to figure it out offensively. Um, and listen, I, I like the story of Albert returning back to St. Louis, where it all started. He gets to be a DH. He's off to a decent start this year so far. Um, but the Brewers are a team. I like their signings too. I mean, to be to be able to bring a guy in like uh, McCutcheon, uh, I think is huge. I mean, they they've needed some a little bit of outfield help. They're not completely healthy yet at this point either. But uh, Yelich is, is is seemingly healthy, playing well. Uh, this team is this this is going to be, I think, the two teams that are fighting for uh, the National League Central. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I, I, obviously, those are the two best teams. I had Milwaukee winning at St. Louis as a wild card. Um, I'm with you on their outfield. I really should defer to you completely on the outfield situation since you were an out major league outfielder. Uh, I will say I did hear from a scout. They have the best defensive outfielder. You hit it up there. It's going to be caught. Um, So, I mean, you know, over, overall it might be the best. You might be, you might be, you might be onto something there. I know nobody's saying that other than you, but I think you might be right since they are the best defensively. It's the best defensive team in baseball. Uh, the reason I went with Milwaukee was that starting pitcher and pitching yeah. and Lauer with 13 strikeouts. I mean, he's their what fourth or fifth starter. You obviously have three great ones in Milwaukee. That's why I think they're going to win a lot. Of, they're going to win a lot of close, low-scoring games. I think uh, this not what looks like a pitching year may play into their hands even more. And uh, you know, obviously having Hader, who's probably the best closer in the game, and a very good bullpen. Uh, that's why I kind of gave them the edge, but obviously St. Louis, a terrific team. Arenado's off to a big start. I mean, Goldschmidt hasn't gotten going yet, but we know how good he is. You got Hicks in the rotation now, which looks like that was a good move, which we shall see. But those are two very, very good teams in an otherwise kind of you know transitional division, shall we say? I'm being yeah. kind. Uh, and the Cubs, are, <laughs> they've had their moments. You know, they beat up on the Pirates, twenty-one uh, nothing, the other day. And Pittsburgh is what five hundred at this point. I mean, to me, that's one of the most shocking. 
Right? Uh, not me. Not me. And, uh, I mean, the run, <laughs> the run differential is like, what, it's a negative 27 or negative 28. But, uh, you know, yeah. you are your record, as Bill Parcell said. <clears throat> and I, I think that's fair to say. So, at the moment, they are their record. But at, by the end, we expect their record to be not 500. Shout out to uh, the Reds who were able to snap their eleven game losing streak. How about this? How about this stat? I, we 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 pulled this up in our in our broadcast the other day. Ninety nine consecutive innings without either being tie having a tie or a lead. They finally snapped ninety nine innings. They did not have wow. a lead or tie until they snapped that in the first inning uh, in yesterday's game. So shout out to them. All right, let's move to the NL West. Uh, which is definitely the most competitive league, uh, a division, I should say, in baseball. The Dodgers to the top of it at 11 and four, Giants at 11 and five, Colorado, who might there probably is the next, probably is the biggest surprise ahead of Pittsburgh at 10 and five, Padres at 10 and seven. And then, of course, you have the Diamondbacks at six and 10. Um, Dodgers, I mean, listen, we, 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 I seem like we talk about these guys every year and just cause they're good every year. They are once again, really good. Freeman, Freddie Freeman all, has, has seemingly found his comfort very early, much like Olsen has in Atlanta. So, uh, I think the, the Dodgers are very happy with that. Um, offensively, they, they just, they look good. I mean, they've been able to think that I think helps them to be the continue to be the team that they are this year is the designated hitter. They've been able to toggle Justin Turner and Max Muncy. They did it all series against the Padres. One played third, one played DH, and they would flip-flop. At the top of the lineup, Mookie Betts, who hadn't been going, he had two home runs in the Padres series, so he seemingly is on on his way. But Dodgers are who who we always thought they were, right? Absolutely. I mean, they're they're an all-star team. Seven guys in their starting lineup have been all-stars and one of them is Will Smith, and I'm sure he's going to be an all-star very soon, one of the best two or three catchers in the game. Uh, just a terrific team top to bottom. They do things right. They were smart uh, to, as you say, toggle the players back and forth in the DH spot. I know there were rumors they were in on Nelson Cruz, but they, they wanted to have that DH spot for Turner and Muncie and some of their other players, and that's probably the appropriate thing to do uh, for them. Uh, obviously, Freeman was a great get at 162 for six, which was a good deal. It's a lot of money, but it's a good deal. And I'll bring this up now. You may not remember this, but we had a debate uh, probably two years ago now uh, about who was the second best player in baseball. Our best was obviously Mike Trout at that point. I still probably would go with Trout today, but yes. you said Mookie Betts. And I said, Bellinger, and boy, did you look right. And that's why I didn't bring it up for two years. But at this moment, <laughs> at this moment, at this very point in time, today, today I can bring that up. I, I, I left that out. was hoping you would forget that you said Mookie Betts and I said Bellinger. Cody Bellinger was the second best player. But today I'll bring it up. I, I'll probably have to forget it tomorrow, but I, I forget it. <laughs> Either way, they, they're both terrific talents, athletes, Incredible! I have to really, to be honest. I mean, Mookie Betts. We have to say you were you were correct. Mookie Betts was the second best player, not Bellinger, who's had some moments in the last year and a half, but he's had too many struggles. It looks like he's back on his game. If you've got a, you know a former MVP batting seventh, who's still only right? 26 years old, yeah, I mean yeah. it's almost it's almost unfair. He, he seems like he's in a better place uh, from a mechanic standpoint, uh, hitting. 
this year than he's been the last couple of years. He, but with the th- tough part with Cody is he changes so much. Like you see him one week, he looks a certain way. You see him the next mm-hmm. week, he looks another way. He certainly had it going against the Padres, two homers in, in, in yesterday's game. Uh, Mookie is notoriously a notoriously slow starter. You look at his career numbers each month, the numbers get better and he's doing his best work by September and October, which is kind of when you want your guy to be doing his best work. Uh, but let's talk about the giants a little bit. They've uh, a lot of people expected them. Uh, I think everybody thought that they overachieved last year. They were a really good team, but a hundred plus win was 107. Is that yep. what wins they had? Yep. 107 wins. I don't think anybody thought they were that good. And a lot of people thought they would kind of come back down to earth. They seemingly have picked up right where they left off. They're a half a game behind the Dodgers, although they are uh, bristling uh, some of these teams across the league with some of the the way they are, their style (laughs) of play, if you will. Uh, But they don't seem to care. They go out, they play a certain type of base. It's a unique type of baseball in terms of matching up and and, and finding the best opportunities for their guys to, uh, to, to, to play well. Uh, But They've they've continued being the same team they were last year. It seems yeah, like. Yeah, I'm going to praise and defend the Giants. I mean, they're amazing. They really are. They lost Buster Posey to retirement. Their best yeah, all-around good, player. Good point. Yeah. Their best pitcher, Gosman. They lost him um, to free agency, um, and uh, they just keep on keeping on. They are an amazing team. They did a great job in the winter. Um, you know, I still. Didn't quite believe it. I went with the Padres to make the playoffs. That was my final thing is that the Giants or the Padres. NL's tough. There's a really eight good team, really good yeah. teams in NL. It was a lot more teams trying in the National League, it seems it like. It feels like that. I don't know. <laughs> it feels like that. And you might be right, although the AL, they signed all those big shortstops, right? And yet they the did. NL, to me, feels like the better league. The NL West is the best division. And, you know, I, I'm regretting it already. The Giants are amazing. And in their defense... You know, I wasn't a ball player. You are. I know we look at things a little differently. I don't mind no matter what the score is. If you're trying to win the game, bunting, I don't mind stealing. The one thing I didn't like was Nico Goodrum uh, trying to break up Otani's no-hitter by bunting uh, a perfect game. Why why is that any different? I don't understand. Why is that different? Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I don't like it. I I didn't like it. I love Otani. I love Otani. I mean, it's the, you know, I love the guy. I want to see a perfect game. <clears throat> to me, if the score is whatever the score is, they're they're all professional. Not only like professional, they're all major leaguers. So I I don't I don't fault effort in any at any time except for that one case. Uh, <laughs> I, I I think I think what's hard for people outside the game to understand is that at least you know coming growing up in this game and, and playing it you know the eight years mm-hmm. I did. The thing that's a, a kind of an under an understanding, it's a there's a brotherhood amongst amongst the players, and you know when scores get out of hand, and you know, in this case, the Giants are keeping the, the gas pedal down. I think there's always been kind of a an unsaid thing about you know taking care of other guys in terms of you know there's a guy on that mound who is who is ERA is going up, and his his job could be on the line and some meaningless runs that are coming across in his case. And I think there's always kind of been um, a a sensitivity towards guys and their jobs and how this affects your opponent by, you know, in this case, 
And, and listen, the last one, the Nationals one, wasn't I didn't think at least personally was that big a deal. But uh, you know, I, I just think that's been something that guys who have been around this game have in the back of their mind. And Giants are are have made it clear that that's not a problem that they that they consider that that they'll consider when it comes to winning ball games, and that's fine. I think. Um, you know, they are, it is within their right to play the game, how they see as an organization. I'm just not sure that other teams are going to be, uh, as accepting of that. I don't know that that, yeah. although uh, on the outside, that is an accepted, um, yeah. mind frame. I don't think it's quite accepted the same way within the game. Yeah. So we'll see how you're it right. shakes out. I think you're right. I think it is players. You were obviously a major league player for a long time. I saw Mark DeRosa on MLB network. Players look at it differently, I think, than the fans and, and the writers. Uh, to me, again, you know, if I see it in a college game, like it's 48 to nothing or something like that, and there's three <laughs> minutes to go, that I don't like. When someone's running up the score, that's not necessary. Those are amateurs, even though they're making a lot of money for the university. And personally, I think they should be professionals. I think they should be paid. But they're not. They're amateurs. And, you know, many of them are not. Most of them, the vast majority of them are not going to be NFL players. Yeah, I don't right. like that. To me, if you're at the Major League Baseball level, I, I don't mind it, I, except in that rare occasion, which I cited. And I understand your your point that it's not any different. But, I, you know, I love Otani. I'm sorry. I want to see the <laughs> it's, it's hard not to love Otani. All right, we talked about the Pirates being a surprise at 8-8. Eight and eight, But, my God, the Rockies – I, I I just I for, for during the offseason when they signed Chris Brown, I honestly did not understand what they were doing at all. But apparently, you know, they knew what they were doing because they sit here today, third in the division at uh, the very tough National League West at ten and five. What what is going on in Colorado? <laughs> well, I'm all for effort, no matter what. I know a lot of people <laughs> question the Brian. I'm you know, in the games and outside the game. I don't like the tanking, and I don't think many people do, and I and I don't no. even like a, a lack of effort. Uh, you know, and I, I appreciate what the Rockies did. And they said, you know, we're in a tough division. I know our team doesn't look as good. We're going to do some – we're going to try. And, I, you know, I, I obviously they pl- paid Brian a lot of money. Uh, you know, maybe it was – maybe they overpaid him. I don't know. But I'm not going to fault them for going all out and getting a very good player for that t- young team. And, you know, maybe that was the ingredient they needed. Do I think they'll make the playoffs? No, probably not. But at least they're giving their fans something to look at, some excitement some interest, and I give them a lot of credit to be in that division and still be in the discussion. Uh, I'm, I'm all for it. I did think, and I think I was on with Cody, not you, a couple, a couple, a few weeks ago, and I said their pitching isn't that bad. They, they're no, not going to be a hundred. They're not going to be a hundred loss team. I, I didn't give them this what they're doing now, but their starting pitching is pretty solid, and they they they'll win more games than we think. I don't don't like this, but good for them. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I wasn't. I'm not criticizing their effort. I, I applaud no, their effort, but it is a little bit perplexing when you just I traded away Arnado and paid fifty million dollars to get him off your roster. That wasn't now, a good deal. That was not a good deal. <laughs> so, so I, you know, I, I'm just confused. But I'm happy to see. I'm specifically happy for Buddy Black. He seems to always get the short end of the stick when it comes to to rosters, and nice. uh, he, he's he's doing well. Now, lastly, we'll talk about my Padres. Uh, they're 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 right where they should be, I think, right now. Mm-hmm. You're still missing Fernando Tatis Jr. Manny Machado has played like an MVP to start the season. Their yep. pitching has been exceptional. Uh, I mean, Manaya had a tough night, a uh, tough day last yesterday, but prior to that, 
He was he's been money. You Darvish has been money. He pitched an excellent game against the Dodgers in game one of that series. Joe Musgrove has been phenomenal. Bullpen has been lights out. Uh, the only thing that they haven't done consistently uh, is hit. And that is the only reason I think that they have seven losses. If they hit even a little bit, this team could be right there at the top of the division with the Dodgers. But they're where they should be mis- considering what they're missing right now. And that's they're all they're also missing Clevenger, too. So they, they haven't even got fully healthy yet. Yeah, I mean, they're in a large group that really hasn't hit yet. I I, I think it's probably fortunate that they didn't do the Hosmer trade. He, he's looking like the one of the yes. few guys who's actually hitting for them. So that's a plus. The reason I had them as a playoff team is I like their starting pitching depth. I still do. And, um, you know, I thought Manaya just added to it. Once they get a full strength with Snell and Clevenger, uh, I don't think there are too many teams that can match up that pitching. So. Uh, I still like them, and they, they also added a great manager uh, last year. I yes. think they underachieved like no team in Major League Baseball, and that's not going to happen again. So, And it's going to be really thrilling. I, I, that division is awfully good. I think the league is very good. But, you know, I, I, to see to me, San Francisco looks like a playoff team. St. Louis, Milwaukee, uh, San Diego, the Mets, the Atlanta. I mean, there's too many teams. So, there is too many teams. You know, they, they could have they could have gone to the seven or eight playoff teams, but now it's six, and it's going to be tight, and it's going to be tough. It's going to be tight, and that element that the the Major League Baseball added a few years ago, where everybody starts at the same time, that's going to be uh, something to watch at the end of the season. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of Big Time Baseball. You can catch us at Odyssey Sports. Uh, download us on any podcast or excuse me, download our podcast on any of the, the sites out there. Uh, and listen, we'll do this again next week uh, for until then, Tony Gwynn Jr., John Heyman. Catch you next week. OK, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.